High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Tonight, Fall Family Skate Night, 6.30 at Skater's Choice, completely free admission. All you got to do is show up. Uh, you can bring your kids dressed in their costumes. Uh, adults, you can come dressed in costumes. We're going to have a great time. Don went, yes. So you're gonna, we're going to have a blast tonight. Uh, it's going to be just a good family fun. We believe in praying together. We believe in shouting together. We believe in worshiping together. But we're also believing just getting together, having fun with each other, building community, building relationship. So come out tonight, 630, completely free. The skating rink is just us. So it's just high praise reserved just for us. We got the whole skating rink. It's going to be our music, so you don't have to worry about coming in and your kids hearing something profane. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and uh, we're just going to have a really, 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 really a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to have candy for the kids. We have a free gift. Uh, so come on out. Adults, y'all may be able to sneak some candy, too. I know how y'all are. Uh, y'all may can sneak some candy, too. We're going to have a good, good time. It's going to be wonderful. You don't want to miss it. Empty nesters. This Friday, you have your bonfire at Don and Katie's house. Uh, I have had a couple people ask questions, so I want to give a little bit of clarity on this. Uh, empty nesters uh, is for people, uh, primarily, if you don't have kids in that you're married couple or you're single, you don't have kids in the house anymore. But also, if you have older high school kids and they're basically not in the house anymore, y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, or if you have kids that have already, if you have, uh, if you're like Pastor Miranda and I, we have this gigantic gap in our children. We're not even close to an empty nester. Uh, but there will come a day where we'll have like, you know, a 13-year-old and a 23-year-old. And at that point, I'm going to go to the empty nesters things because I'm just going to be like, I'm too old for this. Uh, but y'all can come out, join the empty nesters this Friday night bonfire at Don and Katie's. Are you burning a couch, Don? That's like Don, no, and they said no. That was Don's signature for a while was he burned couches. Uh, not from his living room, right, Katie? You weren't letting him take the living room couch. Uh, but they, so come out. They're going to have a great time uh, at, their, at their bonfire. And then uh, New Breed, y'all have an event, too, that they'll be talking to y'all about on Wednesday. Uh, let me also just encourage you, parents, if you have kids in middle, high school, make sure you bring them out on Wednesday night for youth services. Uh, it is a good opportunity for their lives to be poured into. You know, our kids every day, you send your kids to school, they're a bon they are around all sorts of things every day, things that you didn't even face whenever you were a kid because the world moves a lot faster and kids are exposed to things at a much younger age uh, than they used to be. And, uh, you know, what better way to kind of give them a bit of a, an uplift in the middle of the week than bring them out to youth, let them be poured into, let them be around other kids who are believers, who are people of faith, encourage each other, build each other up, be poured into. So I want to challenge you to make it a point to bring your kids on Wednesday nights. Got real quiet in here. Make it a point to bring your kids on Wednesday nights. Why? Because you make it a point to get them to baseball practice. And you make it a point to get them to dance. And you make it a point to get them to everything else in the world. But then we put church as kind of this secondary priority. And listen, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I've got girls who are in dance. And we run crazy during the week to make sure that our girls get to dance. But our girls also know this. And Josiah, he's back on camera. But Josiah takes taekwondo. And he's about to be a black belt. I told him I'm going to let him be my bodyguard. 
I'm going to let him walk around with a sword on his waist. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Y'all don't freak out. Although Jesus had, Jesus had Peter. He carried his sword around. So I'm just messing. But our kids knew this. And it was the same principle that I had whenever I was growing up. My parents operated with the same principle. And I'm convinced it's one of the reasons. I'm not trying to beat ourselves on the chest. It's one of the reasons that we all turned out prioritizing the house of the Lord. Prioritizing things of the kingdom. is because we just knew this. In the moment that something began to interfere with church and with youth... And with Sundays, you weren't going to do it anymore because God's house was always going to be a priority. I was talking to Jonathan. He grew up the same way. I remember we, uh, you know, his dad pastored until he retired. And, and my dad had the same philosophy. I played, I played football. And, and whenever I played football, this was, the, this was the rule. You can play football. But the moment that you start missing church because you've got practice is the moment that we're going to have a talk with the coach. And you're either just going to miss Wednesday practice or you ain't going to play anymore. It's got real quiet in this Baptist church this morning. I'm not condemning anybody. I don't even know if anybody, I don't know of anybody, but let me just word to the wise. Amen. Let's prioritize it. Get your kids out on Wednesday nights. It'll be a blessing to them. Grab your Bible. Go to Psalm chapter 78. Y'all with me today? Y'all love me? All right. Psalm 78. Uh, I really, I've already mentioned it a couple times, but I believe there is a prophetic word that is coming over this house in this day, in this hour, that it is a time of miracles. There's a time of signs and wonders. There's a time where God is going to do some absolutely phenomenal things. Let me just ask you right now, how many of you this morning say, Pastor, you know what, there's situations in my life where I need a miracle. I need God to show up. I need, listen, I don't have an answer, and the only answer is supernatural intervention. How many of y'all there right now? You got at least one area. I need a miracle. Listen, all over this room, people are lifting their hands, and I believe this is your season for a miracle. I believe it's your season for the limits that have been placed on your life to be broken. I believe it is, a, it is a season where the limitation that has been placed on you, whether it's by the enemy or by your own thinking, where the limitation is being broken and you are bursting through into miracles. You are bursting through into destiny. You are bursting through into healing. And what has held you down will no longer hold you any longer. And you're going to live in fulfillment, in miracles, in breakthrough, and in destiny. Can somebody say amen this morning? You're not going to be held down any longer you're gonna break through whatever limitations you put on God which we'll talk about that in a minute because we do limit God whatever limitation you put on God and what God can do in your life it's time to break through the limits because the reality is you know the list of things that God can't do nothing there is nothing that our God can't do Whatever you think is impossible, whatever culture has told you is impossible, whatever your friends have told you is impossible, whatever your family has told you, it'll never change. The reality is this, that we serve a God who loves and takes delight in breaking through the limits, in confining our wisdom, and in making people look and say, the only way that could have happened is God showed up and a miracle happened because there was no hope, but then suddenly in a moment, things turned around and miracles were manifest God still wants to do it today there's nothing that God can't do he wants to move in a manner that is going to blow your mind look at somebody say God's going to blow your mind I'm telling you God's going to blow your mind in this season we're, we're and he, he, here's the thing and the title of this is breaking the limits because we aren't just removing the limits 
We aren't just removing the limitation. Because if something is removed, it can be put back on you. I'm going to say that again. If something is removed, it can be put back on you. I could take this jacket off right now and put it right back on 10 seconds later. And this is what a lot of people have done with their mindset, their view of God. They have removed a limitation, but they haven't allowed it to be broken. So they will remove it, and for a moment they will believe, but just like the snap of a fingers, they put it right back on, and they're right back under living the same limitation, under the same bondage, under the same heaviness, because they refuse to allow the limitation to be broken. And I want to prophesy over you and over this house that we're no longer just removing limitation, but we're breaking every limitation that's tried to hold you back. We're breaking every limitation that's kept your miracle from manifesting. We're breaking every limitation that the enemy has tried to lie to you, and put you under and we're going to live under an open heaven. We're going to live where we believe that nothing is impossible and we're going to live in the place where we are consistently seeing the impossible become reality. God wants to take what other people say well, that's never going to happen and say just watch what I do. Just watch what I do. I know what people have told you but people don't have the last word. God has the last word. Psalm 78. I want to read this. Verse 41. The psalmist says this. Yes, again and again, they tempted God, get this, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. I'm going to read that one more time. It says this. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his people. He's talking to Israel. The psalmist is specifically singing of the generation that came out of Egypt. And were in the wilderness. Didn't get to go into the promise. You know the primary reason they never entered the promise is because they limited the power of God. You know what's really interesting is, is how is that limitation manifested in their lives? By murmuring, by complaining, by not living in trust. Complaining is never the language of faith and belief. Complaining is always the language of unbelief. You show me people who are always complaining and I will show you people who aren't living in faith. Because whenever you live in faith, complaining just goes out of your, out of your vocabulary, out of your method of speech completely. You won't live complaining about your situation whenever you live in faith because you know no matter what your situation is, it's only temporary. I said it's only temporary. I won't complain about the things that are temporary. It's just something I'm just going through and passing through onto something greater and bigger. Don't complain about your situation. Trust God. So what's really interesting is they are the chosen people of God. How do you believe they were chosen? I believe they were chosen. I believe that God called them to come out of Egypt. I believe God called them to come into the promised land. And when I say called them, I mean God called that generation. He told them, I'm taking you out of Egypt and I'm taking you into the promised land. God didn't lie. That was for them. But they never saw it. You know, one of the, what, I think one of the most frightening things, if you will, in, in all of, of, of our faith as a thought is this, is that you can be in a place where you have a call of what God has told you to do and you never walk in it because you limit what God can do. 
where there is a call that God has put over your life, there's something he has called you to do, something he's called you to experience, and you don't see it because of the limitation that you put on God. They limited. It doesn't say God was limited. It said that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited what he could do through their own doubt and unbelief. They limited what God could do in their life because they didn't believe he could do it. They limited the Holy One of Israel. It wasn't that God was limited. They limited him. And unfortunately, oftentimes we still do this today. God really wants to display his power. How many want to see the power of God displayed in your life? As much as you want to see his power displayed in your life, he desires to display his power even more. He desires to display his power even more than you want to see him display his power. God wants to display his power, but it's often limited by our own thinking. And I, I, I am... I am Thoroughly convinced one of the primary reasons we don't see the display of his power in the way that we would like to is due to our own unbelief. The word limit there in, in Psalm 78, it literally means to grieve. Let me put it this way. When God's power is limited in our lives, it grieves him. It grieves God when the power is, uh, whenever his power is limited in our lives because of our own Unbelief. So I want to challenge you today to begin to think differently. I really want to encourage you more than anything. I want to exhort you this morning more than I want to go into any sort of in-depth teaching. But I want to exhort you and encourage you today that it's a day and a season to think differently. To begin to think differently. Stop being stuck in your old way. Stop being stuck in the old way that you've thought about God. Stop being stuck in this method where you think that God is angry and mad and a punisher and looking to harm and to hurt. That is not God. God is a rewarder. He is not a punisher. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of y'all are seeking him this morning? God's not looking to punish you. God's looking to reward you. God's looking to do incredible and mighty things in your life. We have had this image in our minds of God as the 107-year-old as the, 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 the man in the neighborhood who sits on, the, on, on, in, on his front porch and just waits for a kid to get on his lawn so he can yell at him to get off his lawn and throw something at him if he doesn't. That's not who the Father is. That's not who God is. He is a good God. Somebody say, good God. Come on, say, good God. He's a good God. He has nothing but goodness inside of him to give to you. Well, God just, you know, he's trying to teach me something through making me sick. Change your old thinking. God doesn't have sickness to give to you. I said he doesn't have sickness to give to you. He's a healer. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. And by his stripes, we've been made healed. He didn't take them so he could give them back to you later. He took them so you wouldn't have to take it. How many parents we got in the room today? How many parents ever thought, man, I'd really like to make my kids sick to teach them a lesson? I hope not. We'll pray for you if you've ever thought that. I'm the complete opposite. When my kids have gotten sick, I can't tell you how many times I've told my wife, I wish I could be sick instead of them. 
And if I could take the sickness from them and me be sick, Instead of them, I would do it at the snap of a fingers. And that's exactly what our God did. He had the ability to take sickness upon himself so that you wouldn't have to live in it. So why in the world do we go around thinking, well, God's just trying to teach me something through being sick. He took your sickness. So you wouldn't have to live in it. He took your infirmity. So you wouldn't have to live in it. He took your disorder and dysfunction. So you wouldn't have to live in it. We have to change our thinking. God is not trying to teach us, teach us things through hardship. He has the Holy Spirit to teach us. He doesn't need to use sickness to teach you. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, not sickness, not disease, not infirmity, not divorce, not separation, not dysfunction, not your kids acting crazy. That's not your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. Now, I'll give you a little balance. In the midst of situations when things happen, can God take it and in the midst of it, use it to open our eyes and enlighten us and maybe reveal some things to us? Absolutely. That's only though because God will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it and work it for your good. It's not that God meant it. It's that God's going to use it to get glory at the end of the day. There's a difference though. He's not sending it. He's never sent sickness. He's not sending disease to his people. Why in the world, if we being evil, in the words of Jesus, if we being evil desire to give good things to our children, how much more so does your heavenly father desire to give us good things? You wouldn't make your kids sick. Why do you think your heavenly father would want to make you sick? When you just stop and think about this for 3.2 seconds, the entire mindset begins to break down. When you begin to realize how much more infinitely good he is than us. And we wouldn't even do some of the things that we think God does. You as a broken human wouldn't do some of the things that we think God does. But he is so much better than we are. And God wants to bless. He wants to break the limits. This is, and this is where it starts. You have to think rightly about God. It starts with this. You have to think rightly about God. You've got to get out of your mind the angry old man in the sky. And he's a father who wants to reward and bless and take all of your difficulty and struggle. Are we going to go through struggle? Of course, we live on the planet Earth. But that's not God's design for you to live in struggle your entire life. It's not sent by God. It's the result of living in a fallen and broken world. But God certainly isn't sending it in your life to teach you something. It's preposterous. Think differently. A lot of times we, well, let me give you another way that I want to change our thinking. A lot of times we think this way. If it be God's will, he'll move in a miraculous way. He'll heal me. He'll deliver me. He'll put my family back together. Whatever it is that you're believing for. I want to challenge you to stop and take if out of your vocabulary. It's not if it be God's will. It is God's will. I have an entire book that tells me exactly what his will is. I don't have to pray and seek to get if it's his will to heal. I don't have to pray and seek to see if it's his will to restore. Third John 2, John said this. I think John kind of knew the heart of Jesus a little bit. 
And John said this, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Listen, God wants you to walk in health. He wants you to walk in prosperity, in blessing. This is the reality. And listen, life does not consist of the abundance of things that one possesses. So I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not talking about materialism. I'm not talking about storing up things on the earth. I'm talking about any of that. But listen, this is the reality. If God didn't want to bless you, and if it, was the, if it wasn't the will of God for you to walk blessed, the best thing you you could do is go to your job tomorrow and quit all the business owners are going it is not the will of God for my employees to quit and I agree with you because this is the reality if, if, if being blessed might get you out of the will of God the worst thing you can do is get a paycheck you might get a raise heaven forbid and you get out of the will of God and get a raise and make a little bit more money. It's the will of God for you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You know what? I firmly believe this. You know why God wants to get prosperity into the hands of his people? Because he wants his people to live open-handedly and give and sow and pour into other people and live open-handedly and give and give and give and give and give because you can never outgive God. God doesn't bless you just so you can have a nicer car, nicer house, more clothes. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But that's not why God blesses you. God blesses you to be a blessing to the people who need a blessing. God blesses you so whenever there's a student care form that comes in from Callaway, that we don't have to blink an eye. And nobody has to blink an eye and say, I, we got people fighting to fill the student care form because everybody wants to get a blessing. God wants to bless you because there's some kids in this community who need some things and they need some people who have something in their hand to give them. God wants to bless you in an exceeding and abundant way. Get out of the limitation that God wants to keep you poor and broke. It's silliness. Well, Pastor, haven't you heard prosperity's next to godliness? I've never found that in Scripture. But what I have found is that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What I have found is that he's going to bless us to a state of running over. Running over means I don't have room to contain it anymore, and it goes over on some other people. Begin to think differently. Break the limitation. Break the limits that you put on God. Break what you've said he can and can't do. God wants to move in power in your life. God wants to move in miraculous. Listen, some of y'all, y'all have well-meaning people. In your life, who've tried to convince you that God is done moving in his power. You have well-meaning people who have tried to tell you your situation's never going to change. Some of y'all have friends that are a lot like Job's friends. Job's friends, it didn't say they were Job's enemies. They were his friends. Not only the Bible is being sarcastic. These are legitimately his friends who they thought the best thing that could happen for you, Job, right now is you just need to curse God and die. Because this is never going to get better than what you think. It's never, Job, it keeps getting worse. I'm your friend, and I'm telling you right now, the best thing for you, Job, is you need to die. What? With friends like those. <laughs> Some of you, maybe not to that extreme, but you've had friends that have tried to, you've had family members, you've had coworkers that have tried to tell you, well, that's just the way it is, you know? Sometimes you're just going to have these struggles. Sometimes you're just going to go through this. Sometimes you're just going to be sick. Sometimes this is just going to happen. And you know what? There's really nothing you can do about it. And to those people, you know what I say? Don't you tell me he can't do it. To the naysayers, you know what I say? Don't you tell me he can't do it. 
Because I've seen with my own eyes too many times how God moves in power and in wonders. I've seen God resurrect. Listen, every single line that we sing in that song, and too good to not believe, one reason that we can sing it is because we've seen it. Because we have seen tumors disappear in a moment. We've seen people, uh, Bruce, Bruce Brogdon is, is in, uh, in Crestview this morning, uh, helping minister over there. And, and, and listen, Bruce had, had, had cancer, and it wasn't a good report. And what, about two, three weeks ago in a, in a pre-service, he said, was it stage four? It was a stage four. It was stage four. Stage four is, that's, that's the last stage. That's it. A couple weeks ago, he said, I just got the report, cancer-free. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me that it's just too late, too far gone. You just need to go home and just pack it in and at least glory awaits you. No, your time's not done yet. There's still things for you to do. Don't you tell me he can't do it. A lot of you know the story of Josiah. We've seen, we've seen real life resurrection. A lot of you know the story. He's back there working camera one this morning. Whenever he was born, he was completely still, born six weeks early, cord wrapped around his neck twice, full knot in his cord. And every time Miranda was pushing in delivery, it's like hands for you or I be like hands wrapped around your neck, squeezing the life out of you. And whenever he was born, the first image I have in my brain of my son, who's now 13, but the first image I have in my brain is looking over my shoulder and seeing his gray lifeless body and seeing nurses do chest compressions and hearing this terminology, one minute still, two minutes still. And in those moments, I say it all the time, <laughs> in those moments you find out, do I really believe what I say I believe? Or if I just sang songs and not believed it in my heart and in my soul? And in those moments, we started praying and crying out to God. And in a moment, a text came in from my dad who was in the lobby, breathe in Jesus' name. And a faint cry came up from across the room. Uh, and, and Holly was in the room whenever he was born. Talked to Miranda's doctor. I'm going through this real quick, but I'm just talking talk to Miranda's doctor. She cried. She goes, you don't understand. There is no medical reason that child should be alive today. There's no medical reason he should be alive. We were told he'd be small his whole life. We were told he would struggle his whole life. We were told he would always have issues his whole life. He's back there today, 13 years old, big as a linebacker. Running camera without difficulties, without problems. Smart as a whip. Don't you tell me. He can't do it. Don't you tell me that my situation is too far gone. It was about as dark as any situation could ever look. But God's voice is not finished until he's finished. I was talking to Will and Jennifer before service. Whenever they got married, Jennifer was basically told she would never have children. Told you'll never have kids. You've got issues. She, she bled for how many years? Long time. And one moment... In one moment, God shows up, begins to change everything. Today, they have three kids. You saw her down here worshiping with some of them today. Don't you tell me. He can't do it. I'm not just trying to get you hyped up this morning, but I'm trying to stir your heart to believe. And this is the reality. If God did it for me and Miranda and Josiah, he'll do it for you. If God did it for Bruce Brogdon, he'll do it for you. If God did it for Jennifer Owen, he'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. I'm not special. They're not special. 
The only thing that makes us special is we're redeemed heirs. And if God does it for one of us, he'll do it for all of us. I remember the, whenever Tori was out strung out on drugs, acting crazy, doing all kind of stuff. And I remember, and listen, I'll be honest, I was one of the voices who said, I don't know if there's any hope for her. Because pastors sometimes miss it too. And sometimes we allow our own faith to be dwindled because we see what's in front of us, but we walk by faith, not by sight. And thankfully, there were people believing and standing, and mom and daddy were believing and standing. I think mom and daddy went through ups and downs and all kind of stuff. And today, she's in the choir worshiping the Lord, clean for over a thousand days. Don't you tell me he can't do it. All over this room, I could go around. How many of you have a prodigal that you've seen come home in the side of the last five or ten years? Look at the hands all over the room. How many of you have seen God perform signs and wonders in your body over the last several years? How many of you have seen financial breakthrough over the past several years? Don't you tell me that my God can't do it. Don't allow the voices of those who haven't experienced become louder than the voice of the one who wants to bring you out. Don't let the voice of people who tell you there's no way drown out the testimonies of those who say he's done it for me and if he's done it for me then he'll do the same thing for you are y'all getting anything out of this this morning you got to think differently he wants to show the power of the holy spirit of our lives more than we want it we have to remember what god's done listen this is this is why i'm telling you these stories if you go back and read in, in, in psalm 71 it says they limited the holy one of israel why because they did not remember his power they did not remember his power. Remember means, the word remember there means to mark. It means to mark. Though they'd seen some mighty things, it didn't mark them. Sometimes we see things and we hear about things, but we don't allow those things to mark us. What do you mean, Pastor? To where it makes such a difference in you that there is a mark that is made in you that you're never going to forget it. In that delivery room, there was a mark made in me. In that delivery room, there was a mark made in me that I would never, ever forget the power of God, and I would never limit what he could do. I remember when John and Kathy's marriage was on the fritz, and it looked like things were bad, and there was no hope, and almost everybody in the world, and by the way, this isn't anything that's secret. They've talked about it publicly, just so you know if you're new. I'm not embarrassing them. When their marriage was rough and difficult, and it looked like there was no hope, and it looked like it was over and done, but God showed up and restored and God showed up and put it back together and God showed up and mended what no man could mend. Those type of things mark you. We have to allow those things to mark us to where we can't be convinced of anything other than miracles. To where we can't be convinced that God's will is anything less than restoration and healing and breakthrough and deliverance and prodigals. Listen, I'm going to prophesy now in the name of Jesus. We're still in a season where prodigals are coming home. And if you have a prodigal and it looks worse than it's ever looked, I don't want you to lay down hope and I don't want you to stop believing. Because listen, God had the first word and he's going to have the last word. And they may look like they are living for hell right now. But the reality is, listen, if I believe on the Lord Jesus, not only will I be saved, but my entire household. They might be cursing God and cursing you right now, but the story isn't over yet. And I'm not going to put a period where God is putting a comma. They lived crazy. 
They cursed God. They cursed their parents, period. No, they lived crazy. They cursed God. They cursed their parents, comma. But then the Holy Spirit showed up and things turned around and they were delivered and they were set free and they came running home and we put the ring on their finger and we killed the fatted calf and we celebrated because sons and daughters had come home. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I don't care how done you think the situation is, it ain't done yet. It may be the 12th round and you may be on the ropes, but you're about to be like Rocky. You've been on the ropes getting battered, but you've been doing the Muhammad Ali dope rope, rope dope, whatever it is, whichever one. You've just been taking the, you've been taking every single shot you can take. But what the enemy doesn't know is he's getting worn out and you're just getting fired up. And you're about to come out and you're about to deliver the knockout blow. It's meant to mark you. They've seen some mighty things that didn't mark them. Listen, you're, the miracles that you experienced weren't just so you could get a miracle. It was meant to mark you, to cause you to remember because remembering his power will cause unbelief to be defeated. We know the story of, of, of the father with the epileptic son. He fell often in fire and often in water. Y'all know that story? What's really interesting, I'm going to back up a little bit. What's really interesting is, is that story happens right after the, the transfiguration. And you got the disciples up there who are like, Jesus, let's just stay here. We've experienced glory. We've seen, I mean, this is like the best revival service we've ever had. Let's just build a monument and let's just, we'll just stay here and worship you forever. Just us. And Jesus told him, y'all know what you're talking about. We got to go down. And Jesus goes down and he immediately heals a young man who fell often in the fire of the world. Can I just let you know what I believe is trying to be told to us in the middle of that? Is that what do you experience on a Sunday morning whenever you have moments of glory and we have these moments where it's just, and people are like, I could just stay in worship forever. You're not intended just to stay in worship forever. Your worship is intended to charge you to go out into the valley and release signs, wonders, and miracles to the people who are broken and they don't know where to go up on the mountain yet. Hmm? They may not be able to make it to the mountain, but what's been at the top of the mountain can come down to them. But there's the man, his son falls often in fire and water, which by the way, these are like the two quintessential things you just need to live in the day, still today. We get our fire a little bit different, but you got to have heat. In Florida, we get plenty of it certain times, but you want to cook your food, you got to have some heat. Y'all with me? Fire and water. And he tells Jesus this, if you can. And Jesus says this to him, everything is possible for him who believes. The guy said, Lord, help my unbelief. Because he had never experienced his power to believe. And sometimes when you haven't experienced the power to believe, you have to say, Lord, help my unbelief. But a lot of us in this room, we don't have an excuse for living in unbelief. Because you have experienced his power. You have experienced his power. And now one of your roles is to help people who haven't experienced, to tell them, listen, let me tell you about a man who did this for me. And if he did it for me, he will do it for you. I love testimonies because I get fired up. You can't tell. If any of you, a lot of, most, a lot of you know me, but for any of you who don't know me outside of here, 
outside of the pulpit. I'm a pretty calm guy. I'm actually very calm. But as soon as I start talking about what God has done, I get real excited. And how can we not when we start talking about everything the Lord has done? How can we do anything other than get excited about what God is doing? Listen, you have to remember. Experience is the fuel of remembering. To remember, you have to first experience. I grew up, whenever I grew up uh, as a young man, one of our most common uh, family vacations was going to Disney World. So I have all of these memories of going to Disney World and riding, I'm gonna kick it real old school, riding rides like Delta Dream Flight. <laughs> Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Some of y'all don't know nothing about this. Y'all like, well, that sounds really great. Alien Encounter and all these things from whenever I was a kid, right? And I have these memories of that. You know why I have memories? Because I experienced it. And you can't have memories you can't remember what you haven't experienced. You can't remember what you haven't experienced. And I fear that there really is an entire generation arising that's limited the dunamis power of God because they've never experienced it. And let me let you know, one of the reasons the early church moved in power is because they remembered. They saw what Jesus had done and how he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So you know what? You couldn't convince them that the same power that was now moving in them didn't want to do the exact same thing. And they remembered seeing Jesus move. They remembered the upper room. They remembered seeing power display. And that created more power being displayed, which created more power being remembered, which caused the church to grow. It created a cycle of the church growing in miracles, growing in anointing, growing in number. Because listen, whenever we begin to really believe and we begin to experience, guess what happens? There is a snowball effect that happens. We see more. We remember more. It builds our faith more, and we see more, and we remember more, and it builds our faith more till eventually you just have this gigantic snowball of miracles that's just ready to take out doubt, unbelief, sickness, disease, whatever it is. And listen, it is time for us to break the limits of what we thought God can do. Anything that you thought, well, God can't do that, well, God can't heal that, well, God can't deliver them. Well, God can't bring that prodigal home. Allow that mindset to be broken off of your life today. God can do anything and everything that he wants to do. Turn to Matthew 11 real quick. We're going to close with this scripture. Y'all getting something out of this? There's got to be a generation that arises to break the back of limitation. And in the early, in the first century, limitation was broken in the earth when the church began to arise in order to demonstrate it's once again time for the church to demonstrate signs, wonders, and miracles. Let me just say this also as a side. You know why Jesus moved in signs, wonders, and miracles? Because he was moved with compassion. You can't hate people and expect to move in the miraculous. You can't determine who's worthy and unworthy of miracles. It amazes me how quickly we get real haughty and forget that God did it for you whenever you were messed up too. You can't pick and choose who God wants to move in because you know what? God wants to move in everybody. For God so loved the, for God so loved the, not the church, not for God so loved America, not for God so loved this people or those people or people who had money or people who didn't have money or people who were Republicans or people who were Democrats or independent or whatever. For God so loved the world. 
God wants to move in miraculous ways in everyone's life. Quit trying to pick who God wants to move in. And of course, whenever we make those lists, we're always included and our friends are always included in the people that he wants to move in. God wants to move in everybody's life. If, if, if the church would get our love walk right, we'd really see a lot more miracles because we'd be moved by a lot more compassion. And when, whenever you're moved by compassion, things begin to look differently in the way that you express your life towards other people. I want miracles. I want signs. I want wonders. I want this. Be nice to the person in Walmart who cuts you off with their cart. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see, don't get mad at the waitress because your tea was too empty and you get frustrated and bite her head off. She's trying the best she can. She's got seven tables and her kid woke up sick and you just need to be nice and show the love of Jesus for once in your life. Come on, somebody. And tip them well, too. Just come out from behind for a moment. I started doing this as a practice. If I get bad service, I tip them more. I'm not mean to them. Well, they don't get a tip today. Especially on Sunday, you better not do that. Go waving into people in the church and then... Why do you do that, Pastor? Because I'm a, if, if they give me bad service, they must have had a really bad day. They need somebody to show them some mercy, some compassion, some love, and not be rude to them. All right. I, yes, we can believe for miracles. Tipping whenever I get bad service. Pastor, you're testing me today a little bit. It's all right. It's good. Matthew 11. We're going to close with this. Y'all still with me? Give me five or ten more minutes. Matthew 11, verse 2, says this. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Look at the way Jesus answers him in verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. What is it? The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When John is in prison, he sends some people, some friends, go see if Jesus is the one that we've been, I've been saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And Jesus goes, I am him. And you know how I can, you can tell that I'm him? Because the blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. The dead are being raised up. The poor are being preached to. Which, by the way, means this. That Jesus wasn't, uh, wasn't segregating who he would and wouldn't minister to. But what is the big indicator that he is the one? Demonstration. The fruit miracles. I want to challenge you today. We aren't called to just move in good doctrine. I love good doctrine. We aren't called to just have good theology. I love theology. Probably more than anybody in this room. I'm a theology nerd. It's who I am. But simply good doctrine and good theology won't break unbelief. It's power that changes lives. It's the power of God that begins to change people. It's the power of God that begins to set them on the right road. It's the power of God that causes eyes to be opened to see, wow, look at what God is doing. This Jesus thing must be the real deal because there's no way other than something supernatural that caused this to manifest. And I believe God is 
bringing us into this season of signs and wonders like we've never seen before. I believe that you are about to see, I, I, I see the day coming where we're not going to have time in a service to go through all the miracles that have happened in the course of that week. I'm telling you, I see the day coming where we won't have time in a service to field all the testimonies of what God's done. We'll have to spread it out. We'll have to do some Wednesday night testimonies too because God's going to be doing so many incredible things and so many miracles that we won't have time to go through them all. Listen, you can either believe with me and go, well, I believe it when I see it. Well, listen, you're bl blessed is he who's seen, who hasn't seen and believed. Blessed is he who hasn't seen and believed. Come on, somebody. Here's the reality. I believe it's coming. You say, believe it when I see it. Well, you just wait because you're going to see it. And for those of you who are with me right now, you'll be some of the first fruits of those miracles. I can't wait for people to bring sons and daughters on this stage and say, you don't know what my son, my daughter was bound in. But suddenly one day I got a phone call. I got a text out of nowhere. And they said, mom and dad, I want to make things right. I need to talk to you. I've been messed up. I've been jacked up. I was on the wrong road. But today I'm going to make things right. And I need to start by making things right with you. I can't wait for the day where people who have had long-standing issues say, pastor, you can't, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, oh, I will absolutely believe what happened. I absolutely believe what happened because he's too good to not believe. I look forward to the day where people come up and they say, Pastor, I was bound in sexual perversion, but God showed up and all of a sudden I've been set free. And the line to be stretched so long that we don't even have time to go. But listen, it has to start with us breaking the limits. I want you to take the limit off what you think God can do. I want to challenge you to believe for the big things. I'll pray for a headache and, a he and we will celebrate any miracle. If your headache gets healed, praise God. We'll shout over that. But I don't want to just believe for headaches to be gone. I want to believe for cancer to disappear. I want to believe for deliverance in people that have been bound for decades. I want to believe in turnaround. And find, I want people to go from prison to prime minister. Pastor, I could barely pay my bills. And now I'm just looking for places to bless people because I'm living in such abundance. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Let's break the limits today. And let's allow God to move in power, in strength, and in might. And let's see what God does. Because I'm telling you, just get ready and go ahead and buckle your seatbelt. Because we're about to go on a roller coaster ride. And it's going to be a good one. And it's it's going to be thrilling and it's going to be fun because we're going to watch God do things that are absolutely mind-blowing. Stand up to your feet. He's going to blow your mind. <laughs> he's going to blow your mind. I said, he's going to blow your mind. He's going to blow your mind. He's going to blow your mind in ways that you've never experienced and you've never thought. I want you to lift your hands all over this room this morning. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your hands all over the room this morning. Father, we thank you right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Father God, Come on, pray with me and say, Father God, I repent of any area in my life where I've limited you, where I've said you, can, you can't do this. And I say that today I'm breaking the limits and I'm allowing faith to arise. I decree and I declare that I'm going to see miracles, that I'm going to see signs, that I'm going to see wonders, that I'm going to see prodigals come home, that I'm going to see financial breakthrough, that I'm going to see restoration, that I'm going to see you move in signs, in wonders, and in miracles in my life, in the life of my family, in the life of my church family. We're going to see you do what everyone else said was impossible. We're going to see you do 
the things that we thought were impossible. I believe it in faith. I believe with expectation. I believe you're gonna do it. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, just sing this with me. Come on, come on. Cause I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen broken bodies healed. Don't you tell me he can do it. Don't you tell me he can do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can do it. Don't you tell me he can do it. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can do it. Don't you tell me he can do it. We've seen troubled souls delivered. We've seen close your eyes for just a moment real quick. Maybe you hear you today, you say, Pastor, I hear you talking about miracles. I hear you talking about limitation being broken. But the miracle that I need this morning is I need to go from death to life. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not born again. I'm not saved. But today I want to make things right. Or maybe you hear and you say, you know what, Pastor, at one point I was on the right road. At one point I was serving God, but I'm not where I need to be. My life is not right. And I want to make things right today. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord today. I want to know Jesus. I want to make things right. I want to have a relationship with him. If that's you, will you just lift your hand? If you're in this room today and say, I need Jesus, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? You're surrounded by people who love you this morning. And just lift your hand if that's you. Hi. I see that hand. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take one more step of faith today. If that's you and your hand is raised, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat. I want you to come up to the front. We want to pray with you today. If that's you, I want to invite you to come this morning. You're surrounded by people who love you and have your back and are going to cheer you on every step of the way. If that's you, come on, brother. If that's you, come. If that's you, come this morning. Come on, if that's you, come. Come, come, come. All over the room. Come on. Come on. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Come on, church, can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Come on, come! Hey! Come on up here, come on up here. Amen, amen. What's your name, brother? John? This is John.
John, Jamie, Reuben, and Michelle. They've come to get their life right with Jesus today. Come on, church. I'm going to ask all of you guys, if you'll just pray with us this morning. I want everybody, let's all just pray together. I just want you all to pray this with me. Say, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that while I was in sin, that Jesus came to redeem me and to break the power of sin over my life. I confess you today as my Lord, as my Savior. I thank you that as I acknowledge that, that I'm born again. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you were crucified and you took, and, and, excuse me, and your blood broke the power of sin. That they laid you in the grave, but that you rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave forever. I receive you today as my Lord and as my Savior. I lift my hands, come on, lift your hands. I lift my hands. And I give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise and a shout. I'm going to have y'all go with Pastor Jonathan. Also, Pastor Andy and Cindy, they're going to pray with you a little more in the back and get to know you get information. Come on, can we give the Lord one more shout this morning? Come on, I say, can you give him a shout this morning? Come on, four people went from death to life. <laughs> right now, can you give Jesus a praise for it? We're going to have teams up here. If you need ministry, we'll have teams. Don't forget tonight, 6.30. Family skate night. Skater's Choice on Hickory Street. Come out. It's going to be awesome. We love you. We bless you. We declare this is going to be your best week yet. Prosperity, blessing, and miracles over your life. We love you. You're blessed. You're highly favored. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.